0: Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Well, hello, good morning and welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is Monday, the 22nd day of January in the year 2024, and the headlines are all a buzz. This morning's headline and then there were two could be said for both sides of the 2024 political race. On the Democrat side, of course, sleepy, creepy, touchy-feely, mopey, dopey, little girl gropey Joe Biden and his one actual Democratic Party challenger, Mr. Phillips. But that is probably a foregone conclusion that it will be Biden on the ballot for the Democrats. In New Hampshire, Reuters reports U.S. Representative Dean Phillips attempting a long-shot bid for the Democrat nomination called out Joe Biden as unelectable and weak on Saturday as he tried to take advantage of Joe Biden's deliberate absence from the New Hampshire primary. Biden basically slapped New Hampshire in the face and said, eh, who needs you? Biden didn't even register for the New Hampshire primary after National Democrats opted their first move to be in South Carolina which supposedly has a more diverse population. Biden's supporters though are mounting a write-in campaign in New Hampshire just so he can show a win and then he'll be able to say see how strong I am I won and my name wasn't even officially on the ballot. Meanwhile over in Trump land and that's what it is, Ron DeSantis decided to call it quits right before the New Hampshire primary for tomorrow. And everyone thought, well, after Trump called him Ron DeSanctimonious and all of the other things Trump said about Ron DeSantis, he was going to throw all of his support behind Nasty Nikki Haley. Now, someone asked me the other day after the Truth Hurts program when I called her Naughty Nasty Nikki Haley, was I trying to equate her with Naughty Nasty Nazi Nancy Pelosi? If you look at her style, she is not fit to run a Dairy Queen, much less the nation. She is very quick to anger, very quick to insult, doesn't think very quickly or very thoroughly about anything, any topic upon which she is speaking. Ron DeSantis, who was hailed much of last year as the rising Republican star and the only viable candidate that could possibly pose a challenge to Donald Trump, has ended his presidential campaign after he failed to overtake Trump in the polling and the early voting for this race in New Hampshire. DeSantis made his announcement in a four and a half minute video that he posted on X on Sunday, less than 48 hours until the voting begins in New Hampshire's primary. He said plainly, honestly, truthfully, we don't have a clear path to victory. His exit now leaves the primary battle as a one-on-one contest Between Donald Trump and Donald Trump's former UN ambassador, Nikki Haley, who trails Trump by double digits, and I do mean by at least 30, 35 points. A distant third place finisher in Iowa, Nikki Haley keeps pushing forward. According to polls, Haley has her last shot at Donald Trump if she could beat him in New Hampshire on Tuesday. However, any hopes of DeSantis' bowing out, leaving his votes to Nikki Haley, were dashed when DeSantis on Sunday quickly endorsed President Donald Trump, a primary opponent whom he has increasingly criticized during the primaries, but comes to realize Trump is a way better option than Haley. He said, DeSantis that is, quote, It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. While I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his election of Anthony Fauci as COVID advisor, Trump is superior to the incumbent Joe Biden. That is clear. And I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee and I will honor that pledge. So Nikki Haley has a tough row to hoe on Tuesday in New Hampshire. And I think it may have to be a Trump versus Biden showdown in November. This article goes on to say that the former South Carolina governor delivered well-received debate performances during the summer. All I saw was a woman who kept slamming her hand down and interrupting and insulting people like Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis and spent her time bashing Trump who didn't even bother to go to those debates because, well, it would have been a waste of time. Haley responded to the end of DeSantis's campaign by praising him. She says, I wanna to say to Ron, he ran a great race. He's been a good governor and we wish him well. Having said that, it's now one fella and one lady left. May the best woman win. Well, Nikki Haley, I hope you get trounced in New Hampshire. And if not, South Carolina is just around the corner. And you're already being bashed by your own state. Meanwhile, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, the 13% hyphenated American former presidential candidate, officially ended his campaign for president and officially endorsed former President Donald Trump during a rally in Concord, New Hampshire on Friday. Addressing an enthusiastic Republican-leaning crowd in attendance, Tim Scott hyped them up by saying, this is Trump country. According to ABC News, Tim Scott highlighted Trump's accomplishments in immigration, Social Security, the fight against crime during his first term in the White House. He declared his endorsement of the former president stating, quote, That's why I came to the very warm state of New Hampshire, to endorse the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. We need a president who can unite our country. We need Donald Trump. The political arena, as we all know, is not a place for allegiances or handing out favors, and that couldn't be any truer going by Friday's turn of events, where Tim Scott decided to endorse Donald Trump. Nikki Haley was instrumental in appointing Tim Scott to the Senate in 2012 during her term as the South Carolina governor from 2011 through 2017. Tim Scott entered the Republican presidential race last year and has pledged not to run for re-election in the Senate back in December. He said it certainly won't happen this year if I do it at all. I hope he turns around and runs for Senate and wins again. Trump, of course, expressed his gratitude towards Tim Scott, lauding him as a very good man, a very respectable man, and criticizing some other Republican leaders for squandering hundreds of millions of dollars spending their money attacking Trump's campaign. I warned you all about this early on. While Joe Biden has raked in over $100 million to his war chest, the Republicans split their money amongst 9 or 10 or 15 different potential Republican rivals of Donald Trump, wasting that money. Those ads, they ran. They were paid for. You'll never see that money again. You'll never see your dollar for DeSantis. You'll never see your cent for Scott. You'll never see your nickel for Nikki Haley. Once those people are dropped out of the race, that money is gone. That money could have been poured into a giant war chest to re-elect the man who did, for a short three and a half years, make America great again. Scott's endorsement arrived before the New Hampshire primary, as did DeSantis's, And now you have Nikki Haley, and you have Chris Christie, who dropped out, and now would be very hypocritical if he supported Haley. So he's thinking about being a turncoat and going ahead and supporting Biden. Wow. That just goes to show you. That is how bad Chris Christie was and is and continues to be for the Republicans. One user commenting on Tim Scott saying, Ooh, this one's got to hurt for Nikki. Tim Scott is only in the Senate because Nikki appointed him to the Senate back in 2013. Not only does he then run against her for president, he then endorses Donald Trump. If you want a loyal friend in politics, this writer says, get a dog. As a famous comedian would have said, that there's tough right there, you just gotta laugh at it. (laughs) Over at the New York Post, there's an article entitled, High New Hampshire Turnout Endangers Trump Polling Lead. According to experts, John Levine writes, independent voters in New Hampshire could wreck Donald Trump's hopes of sealing his third presidential nomination on Tuesday. The state has unaffiliated voters totaling 344,000. And according to this report, That is more than Republicans or Democrats. And so those independent, unaffiliated, registered voters pose a risk to the chances of a decisive win by Trump. Ryan Jadursky is a GOP analyst, and he told the New York Post, in New Hampshire, independents can vote in either party's primary. Many of them are center to left voters. That's what they're afraid of. If enough of them show up, they could help carry the state for Haley. Or they could write in votes for Biden. Maybe Mr. Trump doesn't want to lose New Hampshire on Tuesday, but with the large influx of independents, he may come close to tying. Trump's claims that troublemakers amongst New Hampshire's 261,000-plus Democrats could simply infiltrate the Republican primary and go over and vote for Haley because you don't have to vote in the primaries in New Hampshire for the party in which you are registered. So think about this. If they really wanted to upset the apple cart and keep Nikki Haley in the race a little longer to siphon away that campaign money we just talked about, Democrats and a bunch of those unaffiliated independents could simply abandon voting for Democrats at all in the New Hampshire primary. Since their buddy Biden isn't on the ballot, they could all just go over there and start signing up for Nikki Haley and cause an upset win. And we all know how Americans are. Oh, God, Nikki Haley may have won the New Hampshire primary. We all need to jump on her bandwagon right now because no one wants to vote for a loser. The bottom line is Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. I just wonder how much money Nikki Haley is spending on, you know, hairstyles, and nail salons, and spas, and other things from her campaign war chest. Because if you play the numbers just right, You can use your campaign funds for just about anything you want. New Hampshire voters were rallying for Ron DeSantis this week ahead of the primary. And now if they do what they should do, in other words, if you're a supporter of Ron DeSantis and Ron says, okay, I'm out, please support Donald Trump. That's the guy I am going to support. Then you should take your DeSantis vote right on over to the Trump camp. It's going to be difficult to predict. We'll have to see what happens tomorrow in the Tuesday New Hampshire primaries.
1: The the, the one and only, and the original. Steve
0: C. and the Truth Hurts Program. Switching gears, my good friend Mike told me that a friend of his said that the Super Bowl this year, the fix was in, the thing is already rigged, and I thought he was crazy. The NFL has been accused of rigging the postseason in favor of the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I want you to listen to this piece that was posted all over Facebook. And then I'm going to read something else to you that I saw online telling me that, yes, ever since these offshore betting companies and Las Vegas betting companies... You know the ones I'm talking about, the dueling fans and the others. Ever since they started being actively involved in the outcomes of National Leagues of Football games, things have been very, very suspicious. Outcomes of games hinging on non-employee referees, easily influenced people. Think about it. Hundreds of billions of dollars each year being wagered on the outcome of football games. Think about it. If someone had an ability to manipulate that for their own nefarious purposes, why wouldn't they? It is very, very obvious to even the most casual observer that there were lots and lots of calls made by the officiating crews this year that cost certain teams wins and caused other teams to move ahead. But I want to play this for you because it is astounding to me. This is January 22nd, 2024. So we're what? A month away from the Super Bowl? Take a listen to this. I think you will be amazed.
2: This is the- Super Bowl Allegiant Stadium in Paradise, Nevada. This marks Nevada's inaugural hosting of the Super Bowl. The stadium, inaugurated in 2020, covers 62 acres and was built with a total investment of $1.9 billion, with taxpayers contributing $750 million toward its construction costs. Ranked as the world's second most expensive stadium, it serves as the home ground for the Las Vegas Raiders. For Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium, there will be some changes. The stadium campus will undergo transformation, and fan access, including parking, entry, and security, won't be the same. during regular season Raiders games. The matchup for the 2024 Super Bowl will be between the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. The San Francisco 49ers are still leading the Super Bowl odds board at close to and a twenty dog. Usher will headline the halftime show. It's an honor of a lifetime to finally check a Super Bowl performance off my bucket list," said Usher in a statement.
0: Now that was a little long, but let me break down the very most important line there. Here we are, January 22nd, 2024, weeks before the big game, and this is what is being put out there.
2: The matchup for the 20. 24 Super Bowl will be between the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens.
0: If these are the two teams that make it, I will be extremely disappointed and will probably no longer watch any NFL games. I said that after the Bud Light and the kneeling down and the anthem and the cullen-stained Kaepernick kneeling and pissing on the flag. But if this is the way they're running the league, there's no sense in watching. If the Vegas oddmakers are tilting things and paying off people, what have you, to tip the odds in the favor of one or the other, then there's no sense in watching if it's a foregone conclusion. The NFL is rigged, one person wrote on X.com, formerly Twitter. A second one concurred, saying the NFL is the biggest rigged sports propaganda of all times. A third writer said, Rigged NFL wants the 49ers to win this game by any means necessary from the get-go. It just goes on and on and on. Now I told you there was another piece to this. I am looking at... Vancouver, British Columbia local news station This was back on Thursday, January 18th at 6.16 a.m. It said weather for Tofino. High of 5 degrees on Thursday. There's an advertisement for Virgin Radio on the iHeart Network. And then it says Reba McIntyre, Usher, and Post Malone are slated to perform at San Francisco 49ers versus Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl matchup on February 11th. So it's already there, the fix is in. So we now have two major media services who say this is what it's going to be. It's going to be San Francisco versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. I was told last week that the preparation's underway at the stadium in Las Vegas include already having mapped out the Ravens logo on one end and the 49ers logo on the other end. And since the stadium is currently closed off to public access and media access, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't already have those things painted on the field because, as I said before, in my opinion, which I'm entitled to under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, the fix is in. I don't want to get sued by the league because they think I'm defaming them or, or libel or slander. I'm simply saying, with all of the questionable calls this year, all of the foregone conclusions based on betting, it would not surprise me one bit to know that this thing is rigged. The article I read to you from the publication Marca was entitled San Francisco 49ers Win Angers Fans and Raises Suspicions. It's official. The NFL is rigged. I'm not saying it. Someone else is saying it. I'm simply repeating what was reported. And as a media outlet, I can do so.
1: Hey, you. Over there. Listen, I've been hearing some rumors that people are beginning to distrust the outcome of certain sporting events in the USA. Talks about mob infiltration, casino game fixing, cartels, point shavings, games being thrown to benefit the odds makers, all of that is nothing but rumors, you got me? Sure, the non-employee side hustle referees and umpires might have blown a call here or there, and sure, some bookies have made out like bandits, but there's nothing to see here folks. For over a century, professional sports has provided entertainment for the masses by exploiting the special strength and skills and attributes of athletes across the USA. Our national leagues, our American associations, and our major organizations establish rules for each sport, and we employ supposedly impartial officials to umpire, referee, and judge both team and individual sporting endeavors across the nation. Honor, dignity, impartiality, honesty, and fairness are the hallmarks of any sporting organization. This is why Pete Rose can never be in the Hall of Fame and why OJ can only do TV infomercials, and why players and teams alike can receive fines and penalties for cheating and for other offenses. Sporting in the USA is not affected in any way, shape, manner, fashion or form by betting schemes, mob infiltration, influence buying, point shaving, cartels, game throwing or any other factors that might jeopardize the integrity of sports, the things we enjoy watching so dearly. So you keep on watching, and you keep on betting. And we'll keep on playing. This message brought to you by the Las Vegas betting cartels, the sports books,
0: and of course the major television sport networks. A Democratic senator warns the American dream is threatened by over 300,000 illegal immigrants. John Fetterman, of all people, a guy who can barely string a sentence together, is angry. And when he gets angry, he gets vocal. Fetterman of Pennsylvania says that 300,000 illegal immigrants trying to enter the country each month are hindering the legal migrants from achieving their American dream. He spoke on CNN's The Lead program with Jake Tapper, and he expressed concerns about the migrant crisis of Joe Biden complicating the legal immigration system and emphasized the need for a secure United States Southern border. This is John Fetterman, a Democrat a staunch advocate for legal, lawful immigration. Fetterman calls for a secure border and is puzzled by the criticism from his progressive peers. Addressing his pro-Israel, pro-border security views, Tapper asked him, why do you think you've been criticized by so many progressives? Fetterman responded stating, I honestly don't understand. I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're gonna stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we need a secure border. I've been very clear, in fact, that was weaponized against me by Republicans in my race, that I'm very much a strong supporter of immigration. You know, my wife's family. That's the origin story about it, legal immigration. Fetterman's comment come amid the record-breaking number of illegal border crossings in December, surpassing 302,000. You might remember, Senator Fetterman is married to a woman who came to the United States from another country at age seven. Fetterman emphasized his dual stance on immigration during a recent discussion, stating, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be supportive of immigration, but you also need to have a secure border. Legal, lawful immigration, yes. Illegal immigration, no. It's just refreshing to see a Democrat saying we need to close the border, secure the border, stop the massive illegal crossings. He said, and I really, what I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any migrant, but it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at our border to do that. Of course, illegally. He suggests that a reset in US border policies is needed, stressing the need for a collaborative effort between Republicans and Democrats to address Joe Biden's border crisis and develop a comprehensive solution. He says it's a reasonable conversation, Democrats should engage, he says, and then he repeats himself. Finally, Fetterman says, I just think I'm a Democrat that's very committed to choice and other things, but with Israel, I'm going to be on the right side of that, and immigration is something near and dear to me, and I think we do have to effectively address it as well. He believes in supporting legal immigration, managing the influx at the southern border. He says it's a reasonable conversation until somebody can say there's an explanation of what we can do when 270,000 people are being encountered at the border, not including the ones, of course, that we don't know about. He then said to put that in reference, that's essentially the size of Pittsburgh, the second largest city in Pennsylvania. Well, I gotta give kudos. I hate to do it. Man, I made so much fun of this guy and say he doesn't deserve to be there, but he has some common sense points that the Democrats need to look at from within one of their own, one of their rising stars. We need to control illegal immigration or this country is lost. But you can't teach old Democrat dogs new tricks. Andy Rodriguez writes in the State of the Union, A large number of House Democrats refused to condemn Joe Biden's open border policies during a House vote. House Resolution 957, denouncing the Joe Biden administration open border policies, did pass 225 to 187. Most Democrats voted against it. The resolution, sponsored by a Republican congressman, cited the crisis at the southwest border and rightfully accused the Biden administration of creating an illegal alien crisis. The resolution read... 225 to 187, the House passes a resolution that denounces the Biden administration's open border policies. 14 Democrats voted with Republicans. The resolution opened denouncing the Biden administration's open border policies, condemning the national security and public safety crisis at the southwest border, and urged President Biden to end his administration's open border policies. It says whereas the Biden administration created the illegal alien crisis at the southwest border by terminating the migrant protection protocols, halting border wall construction, abusing parole authority, mass releasing millions of illegal aliens into the country and implementing policies that incentivize illegal immigration amongst other actions. Whereas the Biden administration systematically dismantled immigration enforcement and restricted the ability of immigration officials to deport aliens who violate United States law, ensuring relatively few aliens, including criminal aliens are removed from the country. That was a great resolution. Unfortunately, it doesn't kick Joe Biden out of office. Unfortunately, it doesn't fix Biden's migrant crisis. Unfortunately, it's just a resolution calling names. This should be the undoing of Joe Biden, the massive influx of illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants. That or his electric vehicle push, which has not only stalled in the frozen tundra, but is an absolute waste of time, money, and does nothing whatsoever to fix the so-called climate change lie. Houston Chronicles' Jim Osborne writes, Will Biden's EV push cost him come election time? I can only say, damn, I hope so. Sitting on a stage at the Washington Auto Show last week surrounded by the latest electric vehicle offerings from Tesla, Rolls-Royce, and others, Representative Roger Williams, a North Texas Republican whose family sold cars for three generations, stood there and shook his head in disbelief. He said, quote, it used to be consumers told dealers what they wanted. We told the manufacturers and that's what they made. The government is trying to shove these electric vehicles down people's throats. They don't want it. It's a phony economy. And with 10 months left to go before the presidential election, Republicans are honing in on a series of setbacks for electric vehicle sales as proof that the technology is flawed and that the Biden administration's effort to get that technology into people's driveways as quickly as possible is a doomed effort that will end up costing U.S. taxpayers hundreds of billions of dollars. Electric vehicles represented less than 10% of all car sales last month. That's up 6% from the previous year, but Hertz Rental Car's recent announcement that they're dumping over a third of their electric vehicle fleet due to high maintenance costs, high repair costs, and the fact that people just don't want to rent the damn things, much less buy them. That along with announcements by Ford and General Motors, two of the largest U.S. auto manufacturers, that they are scaling down production on electric vehicle models. Well, that simply spooked many observers who wonder whether the steady rise in sales might turn around into a slowdown. The Biden administration, which along with governments worldwide have made electrifying transportation cornerstones of their climate change policies. They're trying to downplay these massive cuts in production as simply a small bump in the road as the US tries to establish itself at the forefront of this major new industry. How much of a role electric vehicles will play in this election year where issues like inflation, the future of immigration, the crime waves, and of course the lie that the democracy is on the line, it remains to be seen how much this EV lie will actually factor into the 2024 presidential election. I say the more Biden tries to take away your gas stove, your gas water heater, your gas furnace, your dishwasher, your washer, your dryer, your water heater. I think the more he plays in those arenas and tries to regulate everyone into doing what he wants because that's what he wants, will probably cost you dearly. One more thing before we go on this edition of the Truth Hurts Program. If you are a Star Trek fan, and even if you're not, I urge you to go online and locate a Star Trek episode called Patterns of Force. You will see the entire Biden presidency played out in a show that was first aired in 1968, I believe it was. Star Trek, the original series with William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly. Patterns of Force is the episode. It's 20 minutes without commercials. Take that little bit of amount of time out of your daily schedule and look at that one episode. You will see the entire Biden presidency was predicted way, way back in the late 1960s. And if you happen to live in the New Hampshire area or South Carolina, I urge you to make damned sure that your plans include a trip to the polling place so that you can cast your vote for Donald Trump. I have a feeling there's gonna be some shenanigans there, especially with those people able to vote outside of their own party affiliation. All right, we've run out of time for this edition. Go out there and make it a great day and we'll see you on the next Truth Hurts Program. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2024, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music, Jason Shaw and Audio Nautics.